Around Comics, Episode 74. Presented by Borders. Your heart pounds, your palms sweat, the tension is nearly unbearable. And then you spot it, the graphic novel you've been searching for everywhere, right here in your local Borders. Borders is your source for the best original graphic novels, manga, deluxe hardcovers, and trade paperback collections. Not only will you find exactly what you are looking for, you'll discover unexpected new authors and series. While you're at Borders, don't forget to check out their huge selection of music, movies, and magazines. Borders isn't just a bookstore, it has everything you need for your comics culture lifestyle. Now you can save on your favorite graphic novels, manga, and more. Google Borders for a valuable coupon, and always remember to check Borders first. To find a store near you, go to www.borderstores.com. Absolutely, thank you to the fine people at Borders. Welcome everybody, I'm your host, Christopher Neesman. Let me introduce you to the co-host of the show. First is my partner in crime, Mr. Brian Salazar. Hello. And our other co-host, Mr. Tom Cater. Hey now. That's for John. <laughs> everybody, welcome aboard. Uh, I wanted to let everybody know about Around Comics at the New York Comic Con. As you know, the New York Comic Con is just around the corner. Woohoo! Yes, it will be at the Jacob K. Javits oh, Center. I'm going to get wicked drunk. <laughs> It's going to be the 20, 23rd through the 25th, and uh, we want to let you know that we are partnering with the Hero Initiative while we are there. The Hero Initiative creates a financial safety net for yesteryear's creators who may need emergency medical aid, financial support for essentials of life, and an avenue back into paying work. It's a chance for all of us to give back something to the people who have given us so much enjoyment. For more information, please visit www.heroinitiative.org or call 310-909-7809. While we're in New York, we're going to be taking donations all weekend long at our table, and we asked a few people to give us a hand, and they said yes. And those people Amazingly would be, enough. <laughs> those people would be uh, from... Athena Voltaire, Mr. Steve Bryant, and Jason Millay. We also have the author of The Other Side and Scalped, Mr. Jason Aaron. The artist of The Other Side, Cameron Stewart. The artist of The All-New Adam and our good friend, Mr. Mike Norton. Legendary comic creator, Gene Colan. And by special arrangement from Vanguard Productions, Carmine Infantino. Watch Tom Sweat. Go for it, Sitting next to Carmine. We have we have a lot we have a lot of announcements before the New York Comic Con, and I can say that we are going to have more creators signing, and you will hear about that on Monday's episode. So uh, look forward to that. In addition to the signings, we'll also be uh, auctioning off original artwork, sketches, and signed memorabilia from such people as Steve the Rude, Steve the Dude Rude, the Rude, the the rude, rude Dude. dude. He's, not, he's not rude at all. He's actually very gracious. Um, gracious dude. <laughs> Mike Norton, <laughs> but that Tim Seeley. sound Seeley. too cool. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Steve the Nice Dude, dude Rude. rude. 
We also have stuff from uh, Mike Norton, Tim Seeley, Scotty Young, Steve Bryant, Greg Titus, and more. So uh, you can go to uh, the New York Comic Con page at our website and take a look at all the uh, the sketches that we have. Uh, Steve and Janelle Rood are sending prints and signed books. We're going to have some Gene Colan books there that will be There's signed. There's a Greg Titus super scrawl that looks <clears throat> amazing. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it there's is a bunch good. of really cool art that I uh, I'm gonna have a hard time, you know. I have the sketches. They're making it the to view. New York. <laughs> Don't worry, everyone. Sal Sal doesn't get his paws on the sketches. Uh, we I are wanna, taking the same flight though. So. I want to remind everyone that Around Comics is recorded every Friday at seven o'clock at Dark Tower Comics and Collectibles, located at 4835 Northwestern Avenue in Chicago. If you're in the area, please drop by. We'd love to meet you. Uh, while you're here, remember to ask about Dark Tower's poll list membership. It's certainly one of the best you will find anywhere. Dark Tower has a great selection of mainstream comics, independent comics, trades, as well as action figures and all of that good stuff. Uh, come into Dark Tower for all of your comic and, collectible needs. And one of the best looking comic shop owners I've ever met. Handsome. <laughs> Strong, too. And actually, you're going to be able, if you're in New York, you'll be able to meet Mark Bay. Mark is coming I to New York. I was trapped underneath the car and he picked it up. <laughs> Mark's, <laughs> Mark's doing a signing yeah. at our table. He's our official uh, table it's, bouncer. It's a 30 second yeah, signing, though. So. Yeah. <laughs> so Mark, Mark will be there with us. So we're uh, we're definitely looking for that. Remember to check out uh, the Long Box of Love on this and every other Thursday episode of Around Comics. It is a wonderfully handcrafted web comic by our listener hey. and and uh, artist extraordinaire, Mr. Brian Bowles. Is the uh, is the new episode of the Crankcast out yet? Uh, yes, it will be when this airs. Will be out because is mm-hmm. that the one where we're going to be on it? I believe so. So check out the Crankcast because because uh, we're going. We're going tomorrow, cranking. We're going tomorrow to the Crank Cave to record <laughs> an, an episode of uh, Actually, we have to go. Uh, Mike's going to pick us up, and we have to go blindfolded, apparently. Oh, is in the trunk? Yeah. He has a giant penny inside his apartment. <laughs> <laughs> is it is John's been there? Giant penny? Yeah, I have. No, yeah. Costumes of all his well, dead former sidekicks. You'd be able to see a giant penny if it wasn't covered by the mountain of giant you know, cigarette ashes. <laughs> <laughs> And his tobacco habit. That, of course, is uh, John Suntress. Who, uh, is, is, uh, John's going to join us right it's after uh, right after we're done with our interview with uh, uh, Colin Bunn, which is going to be... Because John doesn't moment. know anything about interviewing. We didn't want him around. Didn't, no. He's no. not Colin good at it. Didn't you know, want him just... elbowing in on, on our action. <laughs> uh, actually, I, uh, I was uh, on uh, Derek Coward's comic book Noise uh, last night. I talked yeah. with him. So uh, take a listen to Derek and, and his fine uh, podcast. You're not supposed to do podcasts without notifying Tom and myself. We have a system are, where oh, two yeah. of the three of us have to be. I abandoned yes. protocol. Just like being at Let It Be. What, what is like that? Yeah, again, you can't just, damn, man. What's attention. going on? They're all upset with each other. You can't just go do a podcast without saying something? Come on. It was the last minute thing. No, no, no. It's not how things work. I, I we have nice rules. We have you know, system for our place? safety and You're yours. Suspended. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Goodbye. Goodbye. You're suspended. All right, folks. Colin Bunn. We've talked about The Damned for months now. It is one of my favorite new books of 2006. One of mine, too. I know, Tom. And mine. We all love yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I even like it. 
Even John likes it. And if John likes it, it's got to be good. You guys convinced me. You're like, you got to read this book. And I was like, hey, it's good. It, it, is, it is. It is a fun book. Uh, it has uh, one issue left in its current uh, miniseries format, which uh, this story has been called Three Days Dead. It is a fantastic read. Please check it out. And uh, rather than us yammering on and on about it, we should probably just talk to Colin Bunn. Colin, uh, welcome aboard, and thanks for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, it uh, it just seems like uh, like yesterday we were at Wizard World Chicago, and Michael Avery grabbed us by the back of our necks and said, "Hey, you've got to come over and, and meet a, a buddy of mine," and walked us over to your table, and we met you and Brian, uh, and you guys were. Uh, talking about this this book called The Damned, which was going to be coming out, and we're like, okay, yeah, yeah, another, yeah, another like, book. Someday it'll come out. Yeah, <laughs> blah, blah, yeah blah. I know. <laughs> but uh, but we saw the preview pages, and immediately I think we were all excited to see the finished product. And then you were kind enough to uh, send a preview uh, to us before it came out, and we were all just blown away by it. What's uh, uh, I, I guess the 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 best place to start is for anyone out there that hasn't read The Damned. Can you give uh, folks a quick setup of what the series is about? Yeah. Um, it's uh, The way I've kind of described it is it's sort of like the old noir uh, gangster movies, the uh, like the Maltese Falcon type of movie. Um, only the gangsters in this case uh, are demons, and they're using the rackets to get people to sell them their immortal souls. So uh, instead of... Uh, you know, going into debt money-wise, when you bet on when you make a bad bet, you're going into debt with your soul. Um, but along the way, the demons are starting to, uh, I guess, fall victim to their own vices. So they're starting to to like these uh, these human vices a little more, uh, more and more, and becoming less like the demons that they used to be. Sure, I, I think what's interesting about the series is that with those human vices. It sets up the possibility of some of the human characters becoming friends with a lot of the demon characters, and so you actually start to, uh, you know, develop some sympathy for, you know, some of the, I guess you call them the lesser demon thugs and whatnot. So it, it, it makes for some very interesting relationships. Yeah, um, you know, as as we started, you know, putting it together, we started kind of feeling like some of the demons may be more likable than uh, than some of the. Uh, some of the the human characters, in some cases, even our our protagonist isn't quite as likable as, as some of the demons. <laughs> sure, and, and that, that protagonist is is Eddie, who who we follow. And Eddie has his uh, uh, set of unique problems, and, and I think that's a, a great part of the series. Uh, why don't you uh, tell folks a little bit about uh, about Eddie's quandary as we're introduced to him? Well, um, there there are three families of demons. Uh, that are, are featured in, in this miniseries. And uh, one of those families has sort of a unique way of, of dealing with people who, uh, who cross them. And that's that they curse those people uh, in various ways. Now, Eddie's uh, particular curse is that uh, essentially he can't die. Now, he can die, but uh, if anyone touches him after he's dead, uh, his injuries will transfer to that person, and he'll rise back up in their place. Um, which, you know, if you think about it, that's a pretty good curse to have. 
<laughs> it could be. <laughs> especially if you're a mobster. <laughs> right. Especially if you're a mobster, that makes him kind of useful to some of the to some of the gangs. Um, but uh, as he's starting to find out, there's probably a little more to that. There's 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 a, there's more of a reason that that's the way he's been cursed than he than he originally thought. Well, I thought Eddie was such a great character myself because, you know, with his unique uh, abilities, he's he's the type of character you can uh, use to stand up sort of against these demon families. He you know he, he does he's not necessarily afraid of them, but at the same time he's not sort of a you know a super powered character that is running around you know bashing heads in or or people are afraid of him necessarily. Uh, I really enjoyed how you use that. Uh, you know, device to uh, to tell his story. Yeah, uh, that, that's kind of what I like about him too. I mean, he's kind of cagey and kind of slippery, but he's he's not. Uh, he has no other uh, no other powers. He's not super strong. He he just doesn't stay dead very well. Yeah, it's like, what are you gonna do? Kill me? I've been there, done yeah. that several times. <laughs> One of uh, one of the first thing that struck me when I read The Damned uh, the first time was. It was such a great and and beautifully simplistic concept, you know, demons and gangsters. And you know, initially I thought, geez, why didn't I think of that? And I'm sure other people have too, or will once they read the book. But uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you came up with the idea originally? Uh, well, if you ask Brian, uh, <laughs> it's gonna you know we're gonna have different takes on on how this story kind of. Uh, Kind of generated. Um, originally, uh, Brian called me one, and Brian worked on different ideas for different stories uh, for years now. Um, he called me one afternoon and said, uh, "I've got an idea for a story, and uh, I think we should work on it together." And I was like, "All right, well, what's the idea?" And he said, "Demon," and that was his big idea. A demon. <laughs> demon. I love it. <laughs> well, he, he's an artist, so he probably just wanted to draw demons. Well. That's my that's my side of the story. His side's probably uh, pretty much exactly opposite of that. You got um, gangsters in my demons. You got demons yeah, exactly. in my gangsters. It's delicious. But the, we kind of started talking about this demon idea, and I, you know, we, you know, pitched around different scenarios where we could use demons. But we both like this uh, this era of the, uh, you know, the gangsters and prohibition, and we thought those two would kind of fit well together. Um, and uh, I wrote down this huge, sweeping outline of a story and then realized it was just way too big for what we were trying to pull off. So we kind of toned that down a little bit and cut pieces out of that uh, to tell this first this first uh, mini-series, this first story arc, which is pretty different from what the first things I wrote down for this story. Well, you know, what impresses me a lot about it is that a lot of times you will have... You know, going back to the concept, you'll have people that come up with interesting concepts for a book, and it a lot of times never goes beyond that concept, or it's so sort of strangled by just the concept. Where in the Damned, it's much more than just demons and gangsters. I mean, there's there's a real story here about this character and and the world he lives in and what he's trying to deal with, and uh, you know, it 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 really goes beyond that. Was it something that evolved from that initial story you wrote down, or or did it just sort of organically come out as you were trying to tell the tell the tale? I think it kind of just came out as we were trying to to, to tell the story. 
uh, we both knew we wanted this to be something different than just, uh, I guess, a high-concept book, where it's just, uh, you know, just the fact that there's some, you know, demons out there wearing fedoras. We wanted to kind of keep that. We really wanted to be really cautious in the way we presented the supernatural elements in the story. And uh, in a lot of ways, we're just trying to tell a crime story and the, the supernatural elements and the demons just kind of add to that. Well, one of, one of the things that, that I enjoy about the book is that it immediately had a, a very dense universe that it, it, and in good storytelling, that just kind of happens. It, it, it never felt forced, but, you know, you set up, you know, the, the different families, the, the different gangsters and their relationships with each other and, and friends. And so there's a very dense feel to the story. Did you uh, kind of work well, not backwards, but did you develop quite a backstory before you started writing Three Days Dead? Um, we knew that we knew some of the backstory, and then uh, I started kind of plotting out uh, plotting out the, the the arc, and that kind of opened up a lot of questions. We'd say, "Well, if this happens, why does this happen?" and uh, and that kind of started filling in a lot of the blanks in the history, um, and and in and in the world itself. So before we, before I actually wrote the script for the first issue, we had a pretty good handle on what, uh, what the story, you know, what the story behind the story would be, um, and that helped us in that we're trying to to sprinkle hints of things to come in this first five issues. So. Well, speaking of, of things to come, the uh, the first arc is, or, or I guess the first series, is getting ready to wrap up. And that, that once again, is called uh, Three Days Dead. Uh, first of all, are there plans to go to a trade? And next, are there plans to continue uh, The Damned into a new series? Um, well, the trade, there are plans for a trade. I think that comes out in May. So it should be coming out in previews pretty soon here. Great. Um, so, yeah, the first five issues will be collected in a, in a trade paperback. And, yes, yeah, there are yeah, there are plans to, to continue uh, the story of the damned. It's just uh, we've been talking to Oni Press about what the best way to do that would be, and we've been, you know, I've been trying to work with Brian's schedule since he's got a lot of things going on, too. Um, we, just, we just know that when we do the next portion, we want to do it right. So... Uh, we don't want it to feel rushed or, uh, or, or just, I don't know, we, we don't want it to feel choppy. Uh, but we do have two new story arcs already kind of planned out uh, for the damned. You mentioned Oni Press. What was the process like? Uh, and is it, well, I guess I have two questions. One is this your first uh, comic book work? I mean, or have you done stuff in the past? And what was the process like uh, pitching the book to Oni and 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 that you know working with them getting the book out? Um, this is really my first my first real comic work. I've got a couple of little uh, five five and six page you know strips that appeared in. Uh, a UK uh, small press magazine called Future Quake, uh, and but those uh, but this is my first real comic, uh, and as far as pitching it and getting in, you know the process of getting out there, it it only been really great to work with. Um, this isn't the first time that I pitched anything to them. It's it's not the first time that Brian and I didn't send them a proposal together. Um, this was just the first one that kind of clicked for them. I think right off the bat, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know they uh, 
they had a few questions for us and wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, when they saw the proposal on a few, you know, six pages essentially and, and a few of Brian's sketches, they wanted to make sure that we had more to the story than just, you know, a bunch of demons shooting and, and biting each other. So they had a lot of questions uh, pretty much about the world and what, you know, what the story behind the story would be. And uh, after we answered those questions, they were really, really excited about the project, and uh, you know they pushed forward real quick to get it out there. So, well, you mentioned Brian, and we we certainly should mention him. Uh, his artwork in this series has been fantastic. Uh, how did you guys hook up? Did you know him previously? Were you friends, or or was it some other uh, way that you guys uh, started working together on this project? We, uh, Brian and I, met actually working at a comic shop together. Um, probably, I guess, over 10 years ago. Is that Fantasy uh, Shop? Yeah, the Fantasy Shop here in St. Louis. I used to be uh, I used to be a customer of their uh, their Maplewood store. <laughs> Why aren't you writing well, a book, that's where, uh, <laughs> that's where we first met. Um, and, uh, you know, even back then we were throwing ideas around for, for comics, and it just it just didn't come together for us back then to, to actually even get to the point that we could send some, send some proposals out. Uh after we we left the fantasy shop, which is funny because uh, the one of the general managers there, I know one of the other employees said, I was talking to the general manager after you and Brian quit, and he said, well, the one person I would never hire again is Brian Hurt. <laughs> and he said, well, what about Cullen? He said, well, the two people I would never hire again were Brian Hurt and Cullen Bunn. You guys are spending too much time thinking about comics and not that selling makes, them. Yeah, I mean, in a comic shop of all places, we were thinking, uh, spending too much time thinking about comics. Well, well, for our uh, our St. Louis listeners, which uh, which fantasy shop did you uh, did you work in? Uh, I started at the uh, St. Charles store. That's a big one. Um, when it was over on uh, Main Street, actually. Oh wow! It was like a, a little, uh, it was in a really an old old building. Oh yeah, <laughs> very little space. Uh, and they've moved now. The, the, the St. Charles store is actually in a, a much nicer location. It's real big and bright and pretty. And then I moved to the Hazelwood shop uh, for a little while. Great. Well, uh, you know, Brian, of course, here, here's your obligatory uh, Queen and Country reference. He was an artist on, on Queen and Country. Uh, going, going back to the, yo, shut up. Uh, Can't go an episode without one of those. Um, with having, you know, Brian on board with the Dan. I would obviously think that that helped with your pitch to Oni, with him being more of a or of a, a known quantity with them. Yeah, it was, I was definitely the unknown with with Oni. They, you know, they they knew Brian. He'd done several books for them, so that you know, without a doubt, helped us get it uh, get it onto their desk right away. Sure. Well, I uh, see. I see him flexing some very different muscles in in this series from anything else I've seen him work on before, though. Well, yeah, I think I think it all comes down to he's having a lot more fun with this, maybe than he's had with the things he's worked on in the past. So, uh, I mean, and and I think he's a little more vested in this. He helped come up with the idea of the world, and you know, we spend a lot of time arguing over the way we wanted it to work out. So, <laughs> so do you think Oni is going to refer to you two as the two guys that they wouldn't hire back? <laughs> Are you spending too much time thinking about comic shops now instead of comics? 
Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we hope not. We hope not. Well, let, uh, going back uh, in in, uh, in the beginning, uh, you had mentioned uh, some of the films, you know, that uh, you liked the the you know the, the era of that that crime noir era. What other kind of stuff were you using as reference at all? Um, you know, in developing the story or or the look of the book uh, leading into it. Um, I, you know, I think it comes down to just there's there's a whole lot of things that are influences for me, and then Brian's influenced by a completely uh, different set of things. You know, I a lot of a uh, lot of things that that are big influences for me are you know H.P. Lovecraft and a lot of horror fiction that I read, um, and Brian. Um, He's got, uh, you know, I'm sure he's got all his favorite artists that he wanted to, to kind of pay homage to. But he managed to do that in such a way that it's his own unique look. Um, so I don't know if there were. I mean, it, it's sort of a a mix of everything, kind of that we've ever that I've ever watched on TV or read in a book. All those things kind of come together mm. for me and and form these different influences. There's a little. Brian of- says I'm mainly influenced by. Uh, 70s and 80s cartoon shows, but uh, I think it goes a little further than that. I would ask you to tell your friends about the Around Comics podcast, but let's face it, your friends are a little bit on the two-dimensional side, aren't they? All right, we've got uh, we've got some forum posts, and uh, we had a, a lot of folks that had questions for Mr. Bun. Uh, let's start off with uh, one from David D. It says, uh, there are a lot of cliches that have developed in many stories about demons, and especially stories about gangsters. Were there any cliches or conventions of either of these groups that you decided that you would definitely avoid or subvert in The Damned? I embrace all cliches. <laughs> um, I don't know that there were any we consciously decided to, to use or avoid, but to some degree, with, uh, with the, it's particularly when you're looking at a gangster book, if you don't follow some of the cliches, then you're not going to have a gangster story. So, if anything, we followed more uh, some of the tropes for uh, for the noir fiction because we wanted it to feel more like that kind of gangster story. And with the demons, uh, I don't know that we we followed any uh, any major stereotypes with them or cliches. They for them, we actually kind of tried to create more of our own. Uh, own world and in our own history for them. Sure, I, I think that's one of the reasons that the book works so well is that you do use so many of the cliches for the gangster side of it, but the demons are so different, except for like you know some of the some of the not dream sequences, but the death sequences. I mean, that's right. very demon-like. But you know, you use the you know the hey wise guys and and you know those hitting the mattresses. Yeah, hitting the mattress. Yeah. All, all of those great cliches, like which really build up that gangster you know feel to it but then you just throw the demons into that and they just become a part of that which is is great and it was you know it's nice that we we're able to you know with the three different demon families we can get a little different feel for each of them um the two the allegaries and the rorks they're pretty much you know leaning more towards the gangster side and then with the verlocan we kind of went more towards a a very creepy supernatural side with them. Sure, and that, that, that leads in uh, to a question from uh, from Dan C., uh, also paper cut on our forum, 
And he says, regarding the origin of the names of the three families in the Damned, uh, the Allegheny is obviously a well-picked name given the subject matter, but the other two have me stumped. Are these two just made up because they sounded good, or were they references to something else? The Rourke have the same spelling as Mr. Rourke of Fantasy <laughs> Island. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> and it's also very That's similar to the main was. character in The Fountainhead. But neither of uh, these characteristics seem to lend themselves to the Rourke family. Uh, I've also, and he says, I've got no idea about the Verlorkin other than it sounds like something Lovecraft would have created. Yeah, um, there's really no, no big story to the names except that uh, originally the Rourke family uh, were named the Oliveri family. Nice. <laughs> after Mike. And uh, as we started working on it, we said, well, I kind of got a little iffy that I didn't want two Italian-sounding names there. I didn't want them to get confused with each other. And Mike so, sued you. Yeah. <laughs> I, think I, I think I looked up uh, Celtic Demons. On I googled Celtic Demons, and Rourke came up at some point. I'm not even sure that's true, but I'm pretty sure I was googling names. And it's that probably came some, up uh, the, some Irish guy whose nickname is The Demon. <laughs> Yeah, nice man. Eddie the Demon Rourke. <laughs> well, you know, you know, we, we've mentioned him twice, so we, we definitely need to give a shout out to Mike and and his book. We're, we're of course talking about Michael Oliveri, who writes uh, Werewolves Call of the Wild from Moonstone, and you should definitely definitely check out Mike's work because he's he is a good guy and a very good writer. Obviously, because yeah. he's a Bram Stoker winner. So yeah, he's a, he's a real good guy, and uh, and that comic was uh, was awesome. And, and I promised him that even though I changed the name in the dam, that somewhere in one of the other cities in the world, there's an Oliveri family. So <laughs> Werewolves. Werewolves. Yeah, in, in Peoria. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the Verlokins, their name, to be honest, I think it was just something I thought it sounded it sounded good. I thought maybe I could get something that seemed like a vermin sound to it. And uh, and I knew that I wanted, if I could have, I'd have called them the Fleece because that was kind of the uh, inspiration for me was the flea stack from Land of the Lost. Oh, there you go. Nice. Bill Lambier was a flea stack. <laughs> was he? Yep. <laughs> why do you know that? How do you know about that? that. I just, whenever I hear Sleestack, I immediately think of Bill Lambier. Yeah, well. uh, our next post uh, was from uh, Bam, and she said, uh, Eddie is such a great character. I know you've written some other fiction, which I haven't had a chance to check out yet, but I do Ooh. intend. but I do intend to go there. Uh, does Eddie and the world of the d- damned figure into any of your other work? It's such a richly textured world. Was there a specific city slash place that inspired the setting? Uh, I don't want to let go of Eddie, so if he's new to the damned, is there any chance you could do a prequel? <laughs> um, well, uh, Eddie doesn't feature, and the damned as, as a whole doesn't feature in any of the prose fiction that I've worked on. Although it is something I've kind of toyed around with the idea of working on, like a, it'd be really cool to write a damned novel. Oh, absolutely. Um, but uh, at this point, I haven't. Um, and uh, he does, uh, you know, I can't tell you if he's going to make it through uh, the first five issues or not. If he if he's going to be around to continue in the story, um, you know, I can say time stream. <laughs> that I really like killing off. The main character. So. Oh, <laughs> oh no! no. Oh. But Eddie I, can't I, die. I would I suggest to Bam that maybe uh, it's a she, right? Bam. She, uh-huh. yeah. she should. Uh, some fan fiction might be a good avenue. For <laughs> 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 the first um, damn fan, fan fiction. fiction. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that would be, yeah, that's my. Uh, that was my dream for the damn. That the next time I'm in. Uh, 
at a big comic show, people would come up dressed as characters from the dam <laughs> no. have their own fanfic. Um, I'm not saying that Eddie doesn't make it through, but uh, I'm not also not saying that he has a very bright future ahead of him. Aww. Well, so, I like Eddie. He gets hit by a bus immediately after the last panel. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Cohen, I do, I do want to talk about some of your prose work. Uh, I think that's that's your background, much like Mike. We, we actually talked to uh, Steve Bryant on the way up here, and he said that we may see some Athena Voltaire prose from you. Yeah, I'm, uh, I started working on some, some stuff for that, uh, that they're putting that uh, the Athena Voltaire uh, anthology together, and I love that that character, and I love that just... It's really my kind of kind of world. That's one that I wish I could have, you know, cursed them for taking my ideas. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, that's one of the things I'm I'm kind of uh, working on right now. Uh, it seems like lately, it, it's really tough for me right now because I've been working on comic stuff so much for the last year. It's really tough to get back into writing uh, prose again. Sure. Uh, I think I'm starting to get the hang of it again, but. It's been a it's been a little bit of a fight, which I didn't expect. Well, I tell you what, you and you and Chris Somney gave us a heck of a tease, and Dustin Drace wrote in and said, "When is Freak Hunter going to see the light of day?" Um, one day is all I can say. I mean, Chris and I both. Uh, when I first met Chris, we went out and 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 sat down and started throwing ideas around, and I and I just knew that when I said. You know, here's an idea for a story, and it's called Freak Hunter. I thought he was probably going to just walk, get up and walk away. Um, but he actually loved that idea and started, you know, sending me sketches of a character and uh, and sketches of, of freaks. And then I wrote the the script for the first issue, and he did those first uh, six pages or so that you saw. And, uh, and I was just, you know, I was just blown away by uh, how he brought that world to life. Sure. Is oh. is there a nicer person on the face of the earth than Chris Somney? No, there really isn't. I, I haven't found anyone. Gandhi. Ga- Gandhi <laughs> than <Jesus>. Chris Somney. <laughs> Jesus and Chris Somney. The Pope. I don't even. I don't <laughs> think uh, Jesus could do a really good flash sketch though, or that well, postcard assignment. <laughs> Cullen, what's your what's your secret for getting these extremely talented artists to work with you? <laughs> Guns. Well, <laughs> bribery. Um, yeah, bribery. Mind well, and, and to be honest, Chris and I haven't been able to work on anything together yet because he's so damn busy all the time. Um, and, and that's great. Um, I, I for really him. think he's yeah, gonna, he's busy doing Queen and Country commissions for me. Yeah, well, yeah, you keep him busy. He did draw me into Queen and Country, which I like. Mm-hmm. Um, in, uh, in one of the issues. Bastard, so, I hate you. <laughs> but now I, I keep saying I want to write Queen and Country, and that guy becomes the the hero. <laughs> Fan fiction, Colin. Yeah, I know. Fan fiction. That's my um, oh, that's my solution to all problems. <laughs> you don't like story, it? Man. Write your own story. Write your own stories. Yeah, well, that, you know, it's it's just uh, from meeting those, you know Brian I worked with and Chris I met at a convention uh, here in in St. Louis. There's a whole lot of comic artists here in St. Louis. I'm starting to find out. So. Yeah, yeah. It's not as many as on the other side of the state in Kansas City, but no, St. Louis no, has a nice we're, group. we're going to try to catch up with them. I guess. There you go. Uh, be the the only time St. Louis trying to catch up with Kansas City. <laughs> oh, jeez! <laughs> <laughs> I gotta hear it from two of you. <laughs> How about those Cardinals? Now, uh, we we have, we have one more post here. 
uh, this is from John Sokol. He says, I'm really enjoying The Damned. I'm not sure if I have a sp- any specific questions for Colin other than what's next. Well, like I said, we, uh, Brian and I are working on the next, uh, the next stories in the world of The Damned. Uh, it's just a matter of, of figuring out what the schedule for that's going to be and, uh, and what format those will come out in through Oni. Um, we just know that you know, we are working on it. And then uh, I've got a couple of other projects that I've been talking about uh, with with Oni and, you know, that they're interested in. It's just that, again, it's going to be a matter of uh, there's been some discussion on what format we want to bring it out in and, and when to fit into their schedule because they're, they've got a lot of books coming out uh, this year already. So uh, it's just a matter of when that's going to see the light of day. All right, well, any, uh, any convention plans for you? Will we be able to see you in Chicago again this year? Oh yeah, I'll be in. Uh, I'll be in Chicago. Uh, this is the first year I'm going to go to San Diego. Uh, never been there before, but uh, I'm going to go there. And uh, those are probably the two big, the big shows that I'm going to go to this year. Well, Cohen, as always, it is a pleasure to talk with you. We love the series and can't wait to see how Three Days Dead wraps up and what the future holds for the Damned. Well, I yeah, I really appreciate all the support you guys have given me and all the, the, the kind words about the series. And thank you once again to Colin Bunn. Always good to talk to Colin. What a great guy. And uh, and thank you to Michael Oliveri for introducing us. And if you, if you haven't checked out The Damned, uh, check it out. It's, it's, it's a really good book. I mean, for read. a first time... Uh, creator to come out and write something of, of of its quality is pretty impressive and it's fun. It's entertaining. It's good. It's like good, Fane. great he art. Ha- he has nowhere to go but now. Well, I'm sure he's <laughs> might be doing really. He chose <laughs> bad he sh- frozen chose peas commercials. This l- copy is garbage. <laughs> that is my favorite. Celebrities can, at their worst. If you can find that in the dictionary, I'll Paul Masson, go down on you. Paul Masson wines. You really want to say? You really want to say in July? <laughs> Twelve months of the year. Everyone knows there's twelve months in the I'm year. I'm giving Why the you? best possible read I can for the moment. <laughs> That's the best. I Orson love Wells, we miss you, Mr. Sandras. How you doing? Hey, how's it going, buddy? It's good. Oh, it's good. God, if you guys are too old for comics, I'm screwed. Yeah, you said I, that I, earlier. If you I don't think remember. any. You can't be too old. You know, it's funny. I was watching uh, after we had talked to Brian Posehn and and uh, Jerry Dugan that night. I went home, turned on the TV, and I'm watching. Uh, um, the comedians of comedy, and uh-huh. I swear it turned it on to his routine. And uh, but in that they talk about they, him and uh, um, Patton Oswalt go mm-hmm. to a comic shop, and and he starts talking about how you know he's he shouldn't feel so bad about something that he enjoys so much, it is, but he feels guilty about it because he's like 40 years old or whatever, and and reading comics. It's like why? Why do you feel bad about it? Who cares? No, they you didn't know? have like, any bags and boards too. <laughs> yeah, they were upset. <laughs> No, it's like, you're right. I mean, Bendis and I, uh, Brian Bendis and I, when we talk about the uh, Bendis tapes, we always bring it up. It's like, hey, man, if I'm on a flight and it's a long flight, you pull out your stack and you start reading comics. It's like, we're too old. We don't give a shit anymore. Yeah, well, that's... The problem with that's too goddamn bad. (laughs) Yeah. I'm reading my comic book here. Read comics. Be proud about it. Who cares? Wear it as a badge of honor. Exactly. I wear your scorn as a badge of honor, sir. (laughs) Yes. America. America. Well, uh, some some and good Australia. some good comics <laughs> for some old farts like us to read is pretty much 
anything by Alan Moore. And if you weren't aware, like the segue. this is you like that segue. That was this is the year of Alan Moore at Around Comics. Uh, if you go to our forum, you can check that out. Uh, we started out in December with Swamp Thing, which was amazing. Uh, January brought us to uh, Watchmen and the Complete Ballad of Halo Jones. I'm a little behind on that. I'm still catching up on my Halo Jones. Uh, February, we are now reading V for Vendetta and we Skiz. I'm, I'm rereading oh, V I'm for behind. Vendetta. Are I'm you behind? To, I'm going to have to catch up in March. Well, I, I saw I saw the big tome coming up in March, so I I actually got a head start, <laughs> yeah. and I'm about oh, 50 pages into From Hell. I was sort of giving notes on after every chapter of Watchmen I read. Mm-hmm. I like I just that. couldn't keep up with... Cater's commentary? Yeah, the V for Vendetta, I was just like... Uh, I'm going to count in this time of year. It's really bad. But uh, I'm going to start up again with From Hell because I'm going to start early with that one. Well, that was the one thing about this whole, uh, you know, year year of Watchmen or year of Alan Moore that we're doing is, like, it didn't have any sort of, you know, output. It was just like, we're going to read these books, but what are we doing about it? You know, it's like we don't really talk about it on the show very much. We don't, you know, we haven't really talked about it on the forum that we should, like, try and figure out another way to... You know, I don't know if every month celebrate we the year of Alan Moore. Well, I don't know. Just maybe like Each recap month. it at the end of the month yeah, or but something. Yeah, then people would hold me accountable to keeping up with this stuff, and it's it's tough. Well, <laughs> true. Are people keeping up on the forums? People yeah, 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 yeah. Probably have. Actually, yeah. I, I picked up the uh, the From Hell hardcover and the annotations in the back. And Scott Cedarland, yeah. uh, one of our uh, great listeners that does Pop Syndicate, suggested, and this is how I'm doing it, to like read. Oh, a I'm going to be on his show next week. Oh. I forgot <laughs> to tell you. <laughs> You gotta clear that first. We all know that now. Uh, but but Scott Scott suggested read a chapter, then read the annotations in yeah. in the back, That's and then cheating. go back and and read no, the chapter again. And it and it really does make for you know what is already a dense read a lot more dense uh, denser. Uh, oh, not not dense. More dense. It makes morning. it easier to follow and keep characters transparent. Straight. So anyway, uh, from hell in March and then April. Look forward to a small killian and wild cats. What has already been called on the forum as one of the weaker months, but we're gonna do it. Oh, right. wow. <laughs> small killing's okay. Um, well, uh, speaking of, of Alan Moore and Watchmen, uh, Tom, who watches the Caters contest? Who watches the caters? More importantly, who watches Tom when he orders things online? Apparently no one, including Tom. He ordered two copies of Absolute Watchmen after a long day of drinking and watching football. The Packers won that Sunday, so I was happy. Instead of returning it, he is going to reward You know what else listener. I was happy about? That Brett Favre's coming back. Yeah. Another year of suckitude oh, for the Packers. He was pretty decent last year. Oh, yeah. Decent. Yeah, it nice. wasn't his fault that they didn't yeah. win. Hey, he's just adding more stats to that Hall of Fame career. Exactly. And, you know, keep he more needs to get that touchdown record kids. from Marino, because Marino's a dick. <laughs> wow. Dang. Like, damn, Marino listens to this podcast. <laughs> Maybe. You never know. One or, of his kids. <gasps> what if Boomer Assassin does and tells him of, about it? <laughs> <laughs> one of his illegitimate hey, children, Mike. I was Dan. LARPing the other night listening to a LARP <laughs> comics. I was doing live-action role-playing. <laughs> How disappointed with Dan. I bet Boomer LARPs. I guarantee you, if any of the quarterback club, it's Boomer that Oh, uh, no, you know what? You know who it's going to be? It's going to be Chris Collinsworth. <laughs> I got to tell you, I played an elf the other day, and it was just fantastic. <laughs> anyway, I ordered two, and instead of returning, I'm going to give it to you. And uh, the way you can get it is by writing me a, a paragraph about uh, a theme from Watchmen that ties into a current book that you read. And I actually have 
an entry for oh, don't, oh, don't don't forget the the extra bonus that we got in the mail last week. You also get a uh, oh the um, uh, an original Chris Rorschach, Rorschach uh, yeah. outstanding. So you can see it uh, on our forum. If, if you, you can't there, get you a, can... a piece of Dave Gibbons, Gibbons art, this is a, a nice. Yeah, uh, let Gibbons. me tell you. Some well, we here. tried, but Dave wasn't very. Well, yeah. All right, go go for it, Tom. <laughs> this is Darn from uh, Blue Meanie. Oh, hey, He's on the forum. Our Welsh is, listener. Is, is he Welsh? He is Welsh. He mm. is from Wales. Well. He's a welcher. He's Here a welcher. we go. <laughs> Not many people know this, but the main theme of Watchmen is that dogs are evil, and this theme is also echoed heavily in Dark Knight Returns. The smiley face symbol used throughout Watchmen is obviously reminiscent of a blood-stained squeaky dog's toy, and spiked collars <laughs> worn by the mutants in Dark Knights are, again, symbolic of the aggressive nature of dogs. And Watchmen... Uh, ro- oh, God. Rorschach. Rorschach. Is shown wandering the streets looking like a vagrant and is also revealed to wear lifts in his shoes telling us he is short. Spoilers! This character is therefore a direct reference to the littlest hobo. Batman is shown <laughs> aged and is constantly shouting, an obvious reference to Old Yeller. Doc Manhattan constantly gives us hints as to what will happen in the future, which could be referred to as Blue's Clues, and in Dark Knight, Superman <laughs> is referred to as the President's personal attack dog. I will conclude. I will conclude with a direct quote from Watchmen that again shows all things lead towards the canine. I'm going to look at the stars. They're so far away, and their light takes so long to reach us. All we ever see of the stars are their old photographs. I'm 227 million kilometers from the sun. Its light is already 10 minutes old. It will not reach Pluto for another two hours. <laughs> Oh, Pluto. It all goes back to the dogs. <laughs> wow, Blue Meanie, you are insane. Thank you for that, though. That was uh, very, uh, very um, Yeah, He is there. clever. Clever in Wales. I have yeah, a good, good one uh, for next Monday. Uh-huh. Not the one you already heard, but the next one. Uh, I've got a bizarre... The person that sent the Bizarro one resent it to me. Okay, okay so great. Cool. Can't wait, to, that, yeah. can't wait to hear. Um, speaking of other stuff that we can't wait to hear, uh, our our good friend Stephanie Mongol. <laughs> the worst fucking Spe- segues. Oh, come <laughs> speaking on. of things we can't wait to hear. Speaking of everything. Yeah, I've that seen was attachments bad. like that, you know, since I used to use duct tape to like put everything together <laughs> in college, man. All right. All right. Our first manga report. From Stephanie Mangold. From Stephanie Mangold. Careful. Here it is. And Tom of Around Comics. This is Stephanie Mangle, also known as Hey Supergirl, Silver Bullet Comics columnist, with your first ever manga report. First off, we're going to begin with some news, starting with three titles from Viz Media. Their popular manga, Death Note, has recently been awarded an honor by the Young Adult Library Services Association. It was placed on the list of the top 10 graphic novels for teenage readers for 2007. It was the only manga title to make the list, and this is a phenomenal accomplishment for manga titles, finally gaining some recognition and being noticed for the strong appeal that they have to teenagers and their ability to tell quality stories in a sequential art format. Also noted by the uh, Young Adult Library Services Association were Nana and Monster, also released from Viz Media. They were placed on the list of great graphic novels for teens for the year 2007. All three are excellent titles. You should be sure to check them out. Now we're going to move on to some news from Tokyo Pop. Everyone is anxiously anticipating this year's New York City Comic Con, and now's one more reason to look forward to the event. Tokyo Pop is going to be sponsoring a cosplay contest 
For those of you who don't know, cosplay is short for costume play, which is dressing up as your favorite manga or anime or video game character. And this contest is for the new American manga, My Dead Girlfriend, written by Eric Wright. And you have to dress up as the main female protagonist, Jenny Wraith. And it will be judged at the Tokyo booth, which is number 731. That's number 731. The winner will be announced on Sunday, February 25th. It will be voted on by viewers at tokyopop.com. And the prizes are as follows. All cosplayers are going to receive a copy of My Dead Girlfriend, signed by creator Eric Wright. The grand prize is a coffin full of manga, including the coffin, which is 150 books. That's a lot of manga. I think it would take me, I don't know, a day and a half to read that. The creator's favorite prize is going to receive an original piece of art as you cosplaying as Jenny, drawn live by Eric Wright himself. Friday's fan favorite will receive 40 of Tokyo Pop's latest releases, and Saturday's fan favorite will, see, will receive the same prize, 40 of Tokyo Pop's latest releases. If you're looking for more details on this event, go to tokyopop.com, where you can also preview My Dead Girlfriend. Our last piece of news is for all you toy collectors out there, and it comes from DC Unlimited, a new branch launched by DC Comics. Their first acquisition as a toy company is the rights to reproduce the toys from the popular anime and manga series, Afro Samurai. Afro Samurai recently debuted January 14th on Spike TV and will be released this May by Funimation Entertainment. It is adapted from the original manga by Takashi Okazaki and has been a smash hit with fans in the States. The toys are going to be offered by DC Unlimited throughout U.S. and Canada, and the first series will be shown at the American International Toy Fair held in New York in February of 2007. That's it for the news. Moving on, we're going to take a brief look at some of the titles to be released this week and last. We have the fifth volume of the popular shoujo manga, Nana, the first volume of the new shoujo manga to be released called Kitchen Princess, Mmm, tasty. The second volume of Welcome to the NHK, as well as the second volume of the spicy yaoi manga, Princess Princess. And my personal favorite to be released recently, the 17th volume of Bleach. For those of you who are not aware, Bleach is a popular shonen that's boys manga to be released by the mangaka Tite Kubo. It's up to about 37 volumes in Japan. The 17th has just been released in the United States. It's also an anime series being shown on Adult Swim right now. Licensed, both the manga and the anime, that is, are licensed by Viz Media and available for purchase right now. I believe the first volume of the anime series is out. And like I said, up to the 17th volume of Bleach is out. Be sure to check it out. It's a wonderful series. Fan favorite. Love it. And finally, I'd like to spend a little bit of time talking about a manga I've fallen in love with recently, Tuxedo Jin. Tuxedo Jin is the heartwarming story of a young man named Genji. He's 17 years old, a little rough around the edges, professional boxer, and he's recently fallen in love for the first time with a girl named Miniko. And tragically, the day before their first date, he's attacked, falls into a river, and dies. He goes to heaven, and apparently it's not Genji's time to die. However, He's caused kind of a rift in the time-space continuum, and the only way he can get his body back is to live out the life of a penguin. Kind of like paying penance, reincarnation, that kind of deal. So he goes to so he goes back to Earth to live as a penguin, and note, he cannot commit suicide, he cannot wish for death. He must naturally live out his life as a penguin, 
in order to properly return to his natural body. And who should he find in his penguin form but Minico? He washes up on the beaches, she discovers him, takes him in, and affectionately names him Jin-chan. Jinji, of course, at first thinks that this is an affectionate play on his name, when really it's a play on the word penguin, penguin, I guess. It's a really sweet romantic comedy, very funny, very silly, and it's really an enjoyable read. It's actually kind of long. There's 15 volumes, all of which are out in America, and all of which are available online or at your local borders. I strongly recommend picking it up. It's an extremely enjoyable romantic comedy. And I think that's all I have for today for Around Comics First Manga Report. And don't forget, you can get all these titles that we've talked about today at your local border store. If they don't have them on the shelves, just be nice and ask for them to order it. They'll do it. All right. See you again. Bye. Hey, thank you. Hey, Supergirl. That is our first manga report from Stephanie Mangold. I'd like to tie bow to that uh, uh, theme song you got there. Right? <laughs> you like that? Billy Blanks would be very happy little, to come up with a routine next to like to see Japanese. Oh, I, don't, I don't know if I want to see John Tybo. I bet Chris Consworth is big into cosplay, too. Man, I'll tell you what. I, I was in this. What's uh, I dressed as my dead girlfriend. <laughs> Collinsworth hate, man. I love Collinsworth. He's the best. He is. He, he is, is the best. Of them. Oh, you wouldn't wait, know he's it. He's the only guy I saw that picked the Bears in the Super Bowl. So yeah, that yeah. Rush Limbaugh did too. Oh, I like the Bears. Rush Limbaugh also thinks Rex Grossman's getting shit because he's white. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's just yeah, that's different yeah. podcast. To balance it out. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Save that for the uh, comic book uh, haters. It's uh, a tough podcast you're doing next week. Being a white quarterback. Oh, so anyway, <laughs> we'll look forward to uh, more manga reports from uh, from Stephanie in the uh, in the future. Hopefully, we're going to do this at least once a month. We would ask you to uh, help us spread the around comics love. There's a few different ways that you can help us out with that. The first is the listener LCS challenge. If you go to uh, aroundcomics.com. Click on the listener LCS challenge. You can download a flyer there. Ask your local comic shop. Take a flyer, kid. Manager, owner, whoever. To uh, display that in the store. If they do, we will mention you and the shop on the show, like uh, G Dog last week, and uh, was it uh, Tardy? Tardies, up in uh, up in Grand Rapids. Which was, uh, ironically, was Jeffrey Brown's childhood shop, which was really when we, we had him on the show. He's like, oh, "That's funny." Was that just coincident? Yeah, we're like, "Yeah, we." Didn't. I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, it was well. You can uh, uh, also give us a dig at dig.com. You Sir? can become our virtual friend at <clears throat> Comic Space, which is uh, comicspace.com slash around. Are we ending the show? No. Oh, it just sounded like you were reading the end and end, end no, of the no, show. No, no, end notes. Yeah, no. we have a lot of notes. And sure. uh, <laughs> we have a lot. And you can also uh, uh, do my favorite, which is leave us a review at the iTunes Music Store. You can be as cool as Andy Parks or Steve Mike Norton. Bryant. Mike Norton. Mike, Mike, Mike Norton. Those sons of bitches, man. They say that they're my friends. They don't, they don't leave me guys. Or are they your friends or your virtual friends? Well, that's comic space. I'm talking about iTunes. I'm talking about you guys real did. life. God bless you. Thank you. And I, of course, reciprocated in my nom de plume. Not in your real name. Bert yeah. Wheeler. Bert Wheeler. Bert Wheeler is my, my code name on, online. <laughs> You've been outed. It's my porn name, Bert Wheeler. Porn name. I'm Bert Wheeler. I sell... Uh, His Tybo chocolate chip porn name. Exactly. <laughs> God. I'm yes. from Akron. I, I sell rubber products. Well, hey, guys. Let's, uh, let's hit a, a quick listener email. 
email, and it is a quick email, but I think it, it can lead to a uh, uh, a lot of uh, <laughs> yeah, Bert Wheeler. Yeah, exactly. I, I think this can lead to a lot of discussion. It's from uh, area code two one two. I'm glad we're squeezing. I was going to try and read this as Christopher Walken, but I can't. So oh. I'll read it as me. Here's a topic. Oh, this is this is from area code two one two. Here's a topic suggest- suggestion. I can't even read it as me. Here's a topic suggestion. The history and pros and cons of the direct market. Keep up the great work with the podcast. That's it. There you go. Uh, direct market. Wow. Yeah, that was Good, bad. initially a great, great thing. Yeah. Um, Late uh, 70s. And Phil, now it's Phil past Suling? its Isn't that right, Mark? Prime Phil Suling, the direct market uh, guy that really kind of started the thing going? I think it's Phil Sula. <laughs> <laughs> I want to use a, I, I, use I, a I, comic. We would have to correct, research correct me if I'm show, wrong. Uh, Forum, feel free. But I believe it's Phil Suling who started Suling? the whole Sulu. comic craze. Sulu. U L I N G. Well, I mean, the whole direct market. Topic suggestion. That started as comics started started becoming collectible, and you started having stores that opened up selling back issues. Yes. Wasn't that kind of what spawned the direct market? Yeah. And then the great thing was the publishers responding and and suddenly you know really coming out with product for, specifically for the direct market and god i remember i mean you had uh, batman and the outsiders and the new teen, teen titans, titans mm-hmm. um you know coming out a good three months in infinity the direct market inc. before the, and infinity inc., yes before they would come out on the newsstands and plus i mean that's when epic really kind of got going for marvel mm-hmm. and the fantasy magazine that they uh, published and that's probably when a lot of the, oh, the, the underground market, comics well that's what started, i was going to say without yeah. the direct market you never would have had the underground boom that you had in in, in Eighties, really? In the eighties, I, mean, I would agree. Yeah, I was because I was going to say like Crum and those guys. Well, no, they those that was they in needed the, head shops. Yeah, they had head shops, <laughs> for, for, which yeah. were kind of like early precursors to the direct market in, in its own way. Yeah, but I, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't think those guys were coming. In. They were coming in more for bongs. They weren't coming. In for, <laughs> Check out this crazy uh, comic. Man. I, I really need the Flash, man. <laughs> uh, but no, that's the, how Tom uh, asked for it every week. It was it was great. <laughs> I mean, you know. I remember, God, just the as a kid, <clears throat> that was so exciting to actually have like a com- a store that was really dedicated to comic books. Well, this is you know we were talking about you know are we too old to read comic books? But it's kind it's kind of funny. I've always gone to a direct really comic shop. I yeah, I, I, a drugstore was my first experience. With yeah, Seven Eleven. I had a Seven Eleven and a drugstore right next to. Oh, I was I was in Wilmette. And there was an Alpine Pharmacy yeah. that was on Skokie Boulevard, and they, okay. they had a spinner rack. I, I mean, I went to a newsstand when I was a little kid, but when I got, like, eight, nine years old, there was a comic where you had Larry's. Oh, when, Larry's. I was, when I was, was ten. ten. That was you know, they were called Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow, right in both in Rogers Park, basically. Yes. But, you know, those were, you know, that's the thing. We're talking about in the suburbs. Yeah, and even, like, the burbs. When I turned ten... Uh, was when I found out about the first comic shop in my area, which was <laughs> Unicorn Comics, which is still there. Um, and I think that, that was the first one. And then after the, you know, soon after that, there was a, you know, a shitload of them that showed up that just popped up. Most of them are gone now. There's sure. a couple. Uh, the 90s. I, there's, there's about three of them in driving distance of, of where I live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really didn't discover them <clears throat> until like 13 or 14, and that was. 79. Right around the time he discovered girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he I mean, picked was, comics. Exactly, like a fool. 
Comics never say no. Comics never say no. But no, it was just this great thing. And then, yeah, the Burbs, because I think Chicago was so close, we had Moondogs, of course, things like that in the city. But then, you know, the Burbs really did start happening. And there were more stores. And it was it was fantastic. I grew up in rural Illinois, southern Illinois. Farm town, exactly. But was lucky enough that Carbondale was just, you know, 13, 15 miles away, which is a big college town. And so anywhere there's a college town, you're going to have comic shops. And Campus Comics in Carbondale... Started up another another store in Marion. How far how far was Metropolis? From oh Marion? gosh, uh, about a day as the crow flies. I, I don't know. <laughs> about a day uh, as the crow. <laughs> well, Roy Clark. When while we're on the subject, I, I don't know the mile. Uh, no, like Metropolis is probably about Illinois. an hour away. Oh, it's still an hour yeah. away. Because I was wondering if they had given their connection to Superman that they love so much, if they immediately like jumped on the direct market wagon. If I know, well, the crazy no thing is, no, when you're in southern Illinois, <laughs> you, you buy a train ticket so. or a bus ticket, it's all measured in crow's <laughs> flights. Oh, sure. All crows. of it is. How many crow's flights is <laughs> it to Mesquite? Well, it's one week with a strong crow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I, I've, I've never, I've never really known comics without the direct market. So, yeah. you know, I, I know we had uh, when we had John Byrne on, we asked him, you know, what what some of the biggest changes in comics were, and and he talked about the direct market, sure. and you know, whether whether he said it at the time, you know, he was, I don't think ever a fan of the direct market. He saw a lot of the pitfalls with it from the beginning. Well, yeah, because I mean. You know when they when they decided to give up uh, distribution on newsstands, it it did kind of hurt circulation, and I think out of sight, out of mind, because mm-hmm. it went from being something that was there with other mass media periodicals to this you know private club that in some ways was really exciting, and I think a lot of product innovation came of it. Mm-hmm. But again, you lost a lot of mass media distribution, and uh, yeah, I think comics have paid for it since. Well, I mean, it's, here, here I think is the interesting question. You know, it, there's. There's no question that sales are down in comparison to pre-direct market. I mean, Certainly. they're not selling you know routinely 100,000 copies. It's not like a cutoff mark anymore for cancellation. But are the comics better, the, the actual craft of comics better because of the direct market? I'd say different. I'd say different, and I don't know. If, I mean, because again, it's an it's more a more adult audience. Because you can get away it. with stuff in the direct market that you maybe can't get away with on newsstands. No, I don't know about that. I mean, I think you know. Again, if you go back to things like what Warren was putting out in the '60s and creepy and eerie and stuff like that, okay. they had they had some pretty strong meat as far as violence and gore and things. I think like it's that. to the point where you can't separate the, you can't make an easy separation of the two necessarily. Uh, I don't think you can say that <coughs> comics are better now because of direct market. I think They're different. it's been it's just different, and I think it's been that way for so long now that it's hard to say oh, this is because of this. this well, but I think you know when Chris says, I mean, certainly comics today, as far as artistically, and I'm talking in, in big generalities here, the but, craft. But the way that they're you know. They're just done better, in my opinion, as far as storytelling is better today than it was. I mean, not to say, you know, it's like, you know, I, I enjoyed books from 40 years ago, but to compare one the way it's written then to the way it's written today, as far as a storytelling I think device... Again, I, I think it's different. I don't think there's any reason to think that if it wasn't direct market, that no, books no. also wouldn't be but written 
I think it's. Uh, it, I don't think it's. I think it's an indirect side effect of the direct market that they are what they are today. I think because I agree with that. the direct market created a culture of us, mm-hmm. you know, that have now grown up with comics, and yeah, now comics are right. different because they're still well, directed to us. We already only. Talk, yeah, we are not like directed to indirect. It's sort of an indirect, indirect way, effect. Yeah. But it's we, we talked a, about the the alternative comics, you know, revolution or boom or whatever the hell you want to call it. You know, that may not have taken place without the direct market, and I think. Definitely, without the alternative comics of the of the '80s, that comics today. I mean, they, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that either because yeah. I think the I you think had the underground comics of and of not only that. I mean, you had comics just fine without direct before okay. that. I mean, you talk about you know we talked about EC comics exactly. All and that stuff today would be considered alternative or you know underground kind of stuff. And I would also at the time the it was it was mainstream. Right, you know, it and was I everywhere. To the quality too. So I mean, I, that's the thing. If you say, uh, you know, is the storytelling better? Is the art better? I don't know. I think <laughs> I'll, I'll take Hollywood over a I lot think, of guys today. Well, I'll, t- I'll still take a lot of those guys over uh, a think, lot of the crowd. Yeah, uh, artistically, well, probably, there, I mean, and again, I think you know, from a story standpoint, it there, was and there's a just a lot more today. Well, and they were eight, they were telling eight page stories as opposed to the multi arc stories well, that were I given think, today. I think it's a different it's a different story. I think there's a thing where there's all these different things that go into this. What we expect from a story is different. What sort of quality you can get from a story is different. And all these things, it's all a mix. There's so many different factors of mm-hmm. why books today are different from books 40 years ago beyond just direct market. I mean, it has to do with presentation, with printing ability, yes. with the money that's involved. There's Absolutely. all these sort of things that sort Licensing. of go into it. Yeah. It's a, it's they're even there's so for, many things going on. They're going for a different type of artist too. There were guys like Dick Dillon who did decades on the Justice League because he could crank out a book so fast, and that's why he was always there. Now we accept a Jim Lee or a Gene Ha that takes his time. We generally Tom, accept Tom it. doesn't accept well, them. We, we the publishers do. The publishers do <laughs> yeah. exactly, and they are willing to wait because yeah. they know eventually it's going to be traded and it's going to be different. And that's what I'm saying. It was a different product back it's then. Different. It was a, yeah, it certainly. was a disposable product. Back There's then. so many and, and <clears> weird you know, things. That have yeah, I'm not trying. So, to, I'm not like trying yeah. to compare the two and say you know today's comics are better than comics 40 years ago. I was just saying you know on a sort of a craft. Level. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. there seems to be a lot more craft put into comics today than there were at that time. I mean, you talk, you know, EC Comics. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, the art in those books are fan- phenomenal, but those stories were written, you know, plotted out after maybe a, you know an hour oh, yeah. idea. Well, again, Where now nowadays, you know, comics are you know the storytelling in them is much more developed. And the so deadline and, not, the deadline and the deadline is, the, is and the deadline was tantamount back then, absolutely. As opposed to now, yeah. it's no. So you're finish right. the product it, when it's ready. Right. We'll wait. Yeah. Well, the market yeah. will wait, yeah. and it's it, that's what I'm saying. It's a different. It's a market. different so monster. Yeah. So that's the thing. And again, yeah, it's a byproduct of of the direct market. <clears throat> so, but it's you know, not like that's what you know. The direct market wasn't created because of that. There, there was never that in mind. I, I mean, the yeah, I think it was an accidental just, side. It was an ex- yeah, yeah. I think the direct right. market didn't just appear for no reason, though. Either. I mean, there's reasons no, there why the demand. direct market was created. It's very complicated. I think there's a lot of things. It's that much we need to watch. too much for us. Don't forget too that it was cheaper to rent a store back then yeah. and commercial space to have this business that you were doing out of your car or you know taking to conventions on the road to suddenly have a brick and mortar place where you could put your back issues and sell them. Well, obviously, you know, the real estate market has certainly changed, I think, commercial property, and that's why we had the boom of the direct market, and now we're, we're at a point where the better stores survive and the l- lesser mm-hmm. ones don't. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
Well, I'm glad it's a direct market because it would be really hard to do this show at like 7-Eleven. They <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't let it keep kicking us out. Could you keep the Slurpee machine down, please? <laughs> this is the rotisserie, the hot dog rotisserie is making a lot of noise. It's getting some feedback. <laughs> but it's a, it's, it's a very good question and uh, uh, yeah, maybe we'll have to do a, do a whole... That's like the longest conversation of like the one sentence question that we've No, had. but it was yeah, that's a good question. Oh, it's a, it's a very I mean yeah. that that's eight shows. Dude, you blew my mind. You blew my mind. Do we want to read this last one? Uh, ah, sure, go for okay, it. Okay, this is from Vicious Smith, and he said, uh, "I dared to read the Marvel solicitations for April 2007, and I had to read spoilers the, ahead. The bat. <laughs> I had to read the black in black. Back, back in black. Back in black." Uh, yep. It reveals the reason behind Spider-Man being in a black suit. It's not just because of the movie, and it doesn't seem to be a symbiote. My question is to is who do you think was killed? Was it Mary Jane or Aunt May? Hmm. Could it be J. Jonah Jameson who dies? I guess it has to be Mary Jane because that's the least imaginative move. J. Jonah Jameson getting killed would be more shocking and would be a greater turning point for Peter Parker. I think it's Flash Thompson. <clears throat> oh no, Flash! We hardly alive? knew you. Is he still alive? Uh, I think I he's think still alive. No, I, 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 is Flash I, dead? Wait, no, he's alive. Oh, he is alive again. Wait. He died though once, didn't he? Betty uh, Bryant. Brant. Bryant. Uh, Anita Bryant. Bryant. <laughs> <laughs> Anita Bryant. Honestly, Bryant. Uh, I could care less. And I, I believe Anita is dead, and Betty. Why alive. he's having a black costume? I don't really care that he's having. But apparently, I mean, somebody important to Peter dies. But well, we saw in the last issue that was out, Mary, Mary Jane, Jane and, 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 and the, the scopes. Yeah, 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 but um, yeah, it's um, um, it could be either. And certainly, MJ or I got I I got Aunt uh, Aunt May in the uh, in the Deadpool in the pool. Yeah, the well, I had Anna Nicole Smith, yes. so I win. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Uh, um, I, I don't know. Uh, that was that was very good. Personally, I always you know, and I had talked about this a long time ago. Um, when Mark Millar was. Doing his run on Spectacular was it Spectacular? No, it was uh, uh, the Marvel Knights Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Marvel Knights Spider-Man, awesome. which, which was a awesome. great run. Except at the end of it, there was it, there's a very long storyline about Aunt May being kidnapped and buried, she, alive. And buried alive, and and uh, you know, and I just thought that that story would be so much better if at the end she had died, and not because I wish any ill will towards her, but I just feel that like you Aunt May hater. No, I just think that you know, my opinion, in my opinion, to make it a more interesting character. Spider-Man or Aunt May should die. Mary Jane should have a kid, and then th- you have an evolution of a character. A I mean, as opposed I to I don't want Spider-Man ever to have a, a child. I'm sorry, and I, I understand Spider Girl. Spider Girl is an exception. I like the fact that it's kind of an alternate universe. That's okay. I I think Peter Parker needs to be the young in his twenties guy. I think the marriage was a mistake. It's it, they're kind of stuck wow, with it. Wow, listen to Joe Casado over here. No, I agree though. I mean, and it's the same reason why, as much as I like, how is it a mistake what, though? What it's, a, it's a choice. Did. It's a writing choice that. It was I a mean, writing it, choice that was done because they felt they needed to shake things up. Right. They did, and I I don't know. And if now that's, they're looking to shake things up again. Because yeah, but again, think of all again, think of all the possible out. relationships that it cancels. Tom, Tom having Felicia having having all the women in in Spider-Man's life. That's why Ultimate Spider-Man is this breath of fresh air where you have a Kitty Pride and you have somebody new in Peter's life that he can contend with that we're not used to seeing. And I and I I, I mean just why why Daredevil is always so interesting because each relationship brings its own set of problems. Um I, always brings I, problems. And I also no think what. that they in Superman they and not to deviate too long from Spider-Man but to say there were there were great possibilities with the reinvention of, of Lana and her place in Superman's life that are canceled out by him being married to Lois. And yes, yeah, Superman would never break up with Lois. Of course not. And you're not going to kill Lois Lane. You're not going to kill Mary Jane. Or maybe they will. We'll see what happens. But it would be a shame to 
get get rid of Mary Jane completely because there's just a whole cycle. There's a cycle of readers, and I think that these characters need to be vital yeah, isn't for that each a, new generation but, of readers. And you have to be able to turn around and have Mary Jane out of the picture for a while, then to be able to come but back. But I mean, that and is that that with does all exist, these though. I mean, there is Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, I mean, th- that's, there is a right. book where he is. No, and I, that's yeah. fine. But Tom, I, Tom and I sat in on the uh, the comic book queer podcast talking Parker. about you know, heterosexuality. Like, I don't feel like the comic book whore that you guys are the podcast whore that you guys used to make me out of. You guys are in all the fucking podcasts. Well, this has been months ago, John. Yeah, yeah, but but, but, but the, the subject the subject <laughs> came up, and we were talking about the relationship of of Peter, of Peter and and yeah, these yeah. women in his life, and how. You know, May was always there because he needed to make a decision of I have to either save the city or save my aunt. <laughs> Give my you know. aunt her medicine. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and so that's what May was always there for. Then whenever he married Mary Jane, that, the same thing. Well, but that's that, that's, that's all the, his relationships have been. But but this is Gwen what's Stacey, interesting. Mary Jane, well, they're yeah, all the same responsibility. But, but, it's but all, this, yeah, I mean, this it's is like, kind but of. But they're all interchangeable. That's what I mean. It's like you don't need two of them. Exactly. They so, both so you look get at shot. you have to look at what May has turned into. And I think that Straczynski's actually done an interesting job in the last in the last six months, year or so, that May is no longer, you know, the frail person that needs to be saved that Peter has to make a decision about. She's a rock. Well, she's the voice of reason. Right. And who is May turned into now? Uncle Ben. She's Uncle Ben. Absolutely. But that's great. But that's good. That's evolution as opposed to. So they should kill her. They should kill both of them. (laughs) I think they should. Well, that'd be fine too. Kill Spider-Man. No, I I understand. Make a new Spider-Man. I just think Spider-Man that Jr. I think having the responsibility of having uh, um, an aunt, an elderly aunt, and everything, or an elderly mother, or whatever, I think that plays into the responsibility equation of Peter Parker. I think. Speaking of know, that, I have to I call my elderly and, and aunt. I, you know, I actually really kind of like the dynamic <laughs> of the three characters right now. Me too, and that's what I'm saying. I, I don't want to see that end, and I also think that uh, it's it's like taking. A, a tool away from a, a writer when you oh you know, please you could come up with another hey, man, one in a heartbeat I, it's just an know, act all he has to do is make another relationship whether it's a teacher or a you know a, to any, replace M.A. sure in a I story please well listen please. you guys want to find out what happens to Aunt May or Mary Jane maybe they both neither one of them gets killed they just both get sure slightly hurt <laughs> slightly hurt <laughs> <laughs> it's like you'll like be that. able to find out at the website and uh, you should check out all the great things that are on comics. They will? Stuff, or, yeah, once it happens. Once it happens, we'll, we'll be all over it. It's your source for the best in comic book news, reviews, and opinions. Still think you should have a kid. While you're there, please take a minute to fill out our listener survey. We'll ask you whether you think Mary Jane or Spider Mary Baby. should die. Spider, Spider Baby. Spider Baby. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, definitely. Uh, chime, chime in about it on the forum. And it comes Who out with die? eight arms. Uh, <laughs> we are members of the Comics Podcast Network. I'm you not. can find more great podcasts, but I'm not right. Word Balloon. No, sir. Hey, this is a scab. <laughs> we got a scab. Alone. This is a union <laughs> podcast, buddy. Sorry, I know. You can find out uh, uh, more about uh, all those great podcasts at comicspodcast.com. Uh, <laughs> I respect all the people, the members of the Comics. Just so, so that everyone is friends. aware, we post the next week's topic on Tuesdays at the <clears> forum at aroundcomics.com. Coming up next week, get ready to hear from the man who made Wolverine fun again is now taking over the Flash, Mark Guggenheim. He's googie great. Googen- He's googerific. Go- Google Guggen. 
If you will. If you will. Gorders. Gorders. Stop it. Check the search track. <laughs> and then in uh, in two weeks, uh, we'll be hopefully having our New York Comic Con wrap up. So look forward to that. Yes, yes. It's one of us gonna. It's one of us. Like, what's gonna happen that we might not do that? <laughs> we're gonna Maybe kick. We're like gonna kick Chris off the show. Oh, he's God. not so sure. Hey, about we're getting a Morse code message. Dun, 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 dun. I believe that's. I believe that's the president. Don't ever call me Guggen Guggenheim again. Yeah, Gardner Fox is sending the message. <laughs> well, thank you again to Borders. Borders is your source for the best original graphic novels, manga, deluxe hardcovers, and trade paperback collections. Not only will you find exactly what you are looking for, you'll discover unexpected new authors and series. While you're at Borders, don't forget to check out their huge selection of music, movies, and magazines. Borders isn't just a bookstore. It has everything you need for your comics culture lifestyle. There's even women there. Now you can save on your favorite graphic novels, manga, and more. Google Borders, or Guggenheim, for a valuable coupon, and always remember to check... Borders first. To find a store near you, go to www.bordersstores.com. Or you can go to aroundcomics.com. We've got a store located there. Yes, or we do. Or you can call me. Or call and Tom. Call and there's the borders that I know on Lawrence. I can't find it. It's right by the Aragon. Um, <laughs> everyone, actually, it is by the Aragon. Everyone, thanks, Colin Bunn, John Suntras, thanks, uh, Tom and Sal. As always, it's been a fun time. Everyone, and thank have you, Mark Guggenheim, for having a silly name we can Happy make. Happy birthday, Sal. Happy birthday, Sal. Thank you, John. Happy birthday. Right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. He's going to I hope you enjoy the cake. Uh, everyone, have a fantastic late. rest of your week it and weekend. Late. We'll be back again on Monday with another new episode. In the meantime, we'll be everywhere in... And around... around Cafe. like to suggest a topic, send us your comments, or are interested in becoming a panel member, email us at info at aroundcomics.com or visit the contact us section of our website. Music for the show provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Views expressed in the interviews or by guests of the show are solely those of the individuals expressing them and do not reflect the opinions of Around Comics. Thank you for listening today, and remember to join us next time, and the panel will change, but our mission will stay the same bringing you the very best news, reviews, and opinions in and around comics. Around Comics is a Pipe Dream production. Copyright 2007. All rights reserved. Yeah. Why you got my love and left me alone? Why you got my love? Oh, let me, baby, love you one more time.